And Twitter's always been that. It's always been the roar of the crowd uh, where uh, you're, or you know, as the current uh, head of sports over at uh, Twitter, TJ Adeshoa calls it, the world's largest sports bar. And I've always uh, asked myself, but what if people can't see the TV at the sports bar? Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media, disruption, technology, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, back with my co-host, Tom Richardson. Tom, here we go again in the end of July, 2021. And end of July, and it's crazy, and we're in the, in the middle as we record this, of the Olympics. And Joe, I assume you've been paying attention both as a fan and a sports business professional. What's your assessment so far? Um, it's, uh, I, I think Ooh, once again- I silenced you with that question. I, I, I mean, I, I think the interesting myself. thing is the, the pieces that have come up have probably been less to do with um, actual winning than kind of things that go on with athletes off the floor or off the water or off the, the mat. So. From Simone Biles to, you know, recent discussions, again, of doping in swimming to, you know, who's there and who's not to Novak Djokovic losing the opportunity for the Golden Slam. Um, you know, it's been interesting. I think that you will see, as we've talked about NIL in the past and will in a future podcast with John Curry from Wake Forest, um, you know, the opportunities that will arise and who will take advantage of them once this is over. The biggest thing that, that bothers me is, frankly, uh, the subconscious image of not seeing anyone in the stands and not yeah. seeing fan reactions. Uh, you know, those things that happen literally in a vacuum are disappointing. And I think, frankly, it's hurt broadcast and it's hurt interest. Yeah, it's, it's kind of flash, visual flashbacks to six, nine, 12 months ago. And it just is not the same. What, whatever anybody says, it's just not the same watching sports live without a fan a fan group uh, yeah uh, and, uh, and kind you know, of adding to the energy you, you kind of get to your next points and we'll, we'll transition into this because our guest is going to talk a lot about digital natives and short attention spans but i think um i i think frankly that a lot has been lost from what was learned in the past olympics about being the digital olympics mm -hmm. where for some reason we seem to be back to watching tape delayed broadcasts that people already know the results of on various challenge, channels, some of which you can't find. Um, and it's the same sports that you're seeing. You know, I, I frankly, you know, sadly, I don't think that things like surfing and, and skateboarding have translated because they're being shot the same way. And it's kind of boring to tell you the truth. Yeah, and, and I think this, you know, beyond the, the, the mental health issues, which have really kind of been at the forefront so far, the other thing in the, in the world of business that's been interesting, um, to consider and debate is the way that the, the media is going, the media aspect of this, and particularly the broadcasting and digital streaming. Um, I think I can speak on behalf of most fans I know that we're all frustrated, even those of us with essentially full access to pay television. Uh, I've got Optimum, um, but as everybody knows, the broadcasts, many of which are on tape delay and sometimes live, which is always not necessarily clear by the way, at least to me, mm -hmm. um, yep. are on, let's see, NBC, NBC Sports Network, which is about to be sunsetted, um, Bravo, I believe, USA, USA. Network, CNBC, Golf Channel. Golf Channel. So I, I find myself, and I've shared this with a lot of friends, 
incredibly frustrated, very frustrated, frustrated about figuring out what's on when. And then, and this is a really this will lead to the the segue we're about to make. The interruptive nature of all the advertising, roughly the 16 minutes per hour we've talked about and ranted about many times, mm. um, creates a lack of uh, coherency and flow. So when I'm when I'm switching channels, it's like I don't. I, I it's just very confusing. So I want to quote a story from yesterday's New York Post, which I know you read as as well as I do. The paper um, of Alexander Hamilton. We have to read that. To be yes. Columbia, the Columbia. the title of the article was. And of course, it caught my attention. Why NBC is failing to earn gold at the Olympics. Right. Andrew, Andrew and, Marchand was the yes, author. Yes, Andrew Marchand wrote it. And of course, I had to look. And there was, there was a simple line, which he actually did as a separate paragraph, that really kind of sums up the whole thing. And this is classic. In fact, I may use it in my class this fall. Everything is on, but nothing can be found. <laughs> and as soon as I read that, like I, I, emailed, I texted that to a bunch of my friends who were complaining about everything. So this is a really interesting um, issue right now in modern media, particularly live sports. And the discussion today is going to be with someone who's trying to actually address that problem in a really creative and interesting way. So why don't you introduce them? Who's going to help us find our stuff ourselves, Tom? That that's going to be the question. Well, I think we know the that, right guy, and we're about to and yeah. we're about to talk to him. So let's get right. him on. And, the show. and he's got an interesting past because. Um, he was at the cusp of some other pretty successful digital launches and, and helped build them. Uh, but our guest today is Bohan, the, I guess, founder. And do you have another title, Bo, other than being the son of a, the son of a preacher? preacher man. Yeah. I'm an immigrant. And yeah. I guess I'm the CEO of the company that I founded as well. So founder and CEO. Of company Buzzer. is Buzzer, by the way, which I did not mention. So welcome, Bohan, to the Cusp Show. Tom, take uh, it away. Joe, Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, both. Also, I'm a Columbia alumni. So Yes, that's yep. right. Um, roar, I am roar. I saw <laughs> so. uh, Cornell undergrad, but then but then you made the move to the big city for business school, which is great. But Bo has an incredibly impressive background. He had worked at Microsoft. Many people in the sports business know him as the lead executive working on sports at Twitter, which is the way I think both Joe and I first mm -hmm. uh, got introduced to him. Um, but he became an entrepreneur, and that's a that's a part of the conversation I want to have in a few minutes. But let's let's tee up this whole um, idea of buzzer. I'm going to read something, Bo, that is uh, verbatim from your site, just just to frame it for everybody listening. So on your site, it says buzzer simplifies the discovery and access to live short form quote lightning in a bottle moments in sports tailored to your preferences and microtransactions. I found that to be a very interesting. Couple of key points in there. The idea of trying to somehow reimagine how we might find these key moments in sports and connect them to the com commercial side of media, which would be quote microtransactions, which you're really trying to revolutionize with this product. We got glimpses of it years, a few years back with NBA League Pass, kind of selling access to fourth quarter. Uh, you know, running pass, et cetera. But what you're doing is really unique. It's really interesting. So why don't you just build on that opening uh, and tell everybody what you're trying to do? Absolutely. Um, I think the primary inspiration behind Buzzer was during my time at Twitter. Um, as you both mentioned, I led um, our content acquisitions group and we focused 
primarily on live sports and entertainment rights. It started off in 2016 with acquiring 10 Thursday night football games on our platform. Um, and then we quickly move over to the NBA, NHL, NBA, PGA, MLS. Uh, over the span of four years, was very fortunate enough to work on over 120 sports rights deals. Um, and I learned a ton uh, by getting those reps in. One of the consumer uh, insights that I was very lucky to have was when exciting moments that happen live in a game or on television, you'll hear about it on Twitter, right? And they will, they will literally trend on Twitter. And if you're seeing those tweets and you're watching the game, great. You know, that is a tremendous second screen experience. And Twitter's always been that. It's always been the roar of the crowd um, where uh, you're, or, you know, as the current uh, head of sports over at uh, Twitter, TJ Adichella calls it, the world's largest sports bar. And I've always uh, asked myself, but what if people can't see the TV at the sports bar? You know, you have this emotion, uh, but also a moment of panic of where's the nearest TV or sports bar? You know, what channel is it on? What part of subscription is it part of? And by the time you figure that out, this is all assuming that you do have those subscriptions and then you do have an access to a television. The game's over. The moment is done, right? Uh, let's take this morning, for example, at the uh, U.S. women's national uh, soccer team played at 7 a.m. this morning against Netherlands, Eastern, right? So you can, you can assume that it's much, you know, earlier, you know, Pacific. And, you know, for people who are rabid fans, great, you know, you're watching the game. But what is that moment of panic that you have when you get, get on Twitter and you see that they're going into PKs after two, uh, you know, periods of extra time, right? Um, you, you're, you're, you're panicking, where is it, you know? And it's, it's not on NBC, it's on NBCSN, right? And so that is a real life example of us saying, hey, you know, Netherlands and the US women's nationals team is tied up 2-2 going into extra time and PK, 99 cents to watch. That is a big case for, for us to drive incremental audience because anyone who's watching the game, no one's turning that off. But what about the millions of people early this morning had no clue this was going on, right? We're alerting everyone who's not watching a television. And also, what if you don't have access to NBC? What if you have, don't have access to cable or a subscription? How do we drive incremental revenue? And so that has been just the simple inspiration around what Buzzer is. Uh, we say lightning in a bottle moments because one, it's live, but two, and more importantly, it's ephemeral. Meaning when that moment is gone, it's gone, right? And so uh, the best way that I like to describe what Buzzer is, we're building the last mile technology that connects fans to live and ephemeral moments in sports. Because again, when that moment is done, it's a clip or a highlight on Twitter. Well, let's take that example this morning because I happen to be watching and I, for one, did not know until I looked at NBC Sports Network because I do have cable TV. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I had, and I'm part of those millions you're referring to. I did not know the game was on. I'm not that, I'm, I'm a fan, but not that huge a fan. And I realized it was tied and I realized it was the end of the game. And so I, guess what? I dropped everything else I was doing and I ended up watching it for like 45 minutes. But what is the use case? And I know you, you didn't have Olympic rights for the, for the app and, I, and you're not actually not, by the way, we should tell everybody, the app is still in, I guess it's fair to say beta or development officially. 
Yeah, we're in early access. Early uh, access, currently. right. Yeah. All right. So it's a moot point for these Olympics, obviously. But if it if if it were accessible, the app were accessible to everybody, and you did have the Olympics rights, what would have been the use case? So just describe what would have happened to those millions of casual fans. They would have gotten a notification, and what? You would have gotten a notification that said uh, U.S. Women's National Team against that Team Netherlands tied up two two. Uh, it's gone to extra time, um, you know, two extra times, uh, and PKs are about to start. Ninety nine cents to watch. That's the notification that you will get on your lock screen. You swipe to the right from that lock screen, will immediately throw you into the live feed itself, right? And you're watching the game. We'll give you a, we'll try to give you a preview, but it all depends on the licensing, right? And so our ideal case is we'll give you a 10 second preview of what the ma match looks like and how exciting it is. Once that 10 second preview is done, uh, because Apple Pay and Google Pay are integrated within Buzzer, it's face ID and we just charge you 99 cents. So it's a very seamless, there's no credit card input. There's no putting in your personal information. Everything is done in a very seamless way. As I mentioned before, there's a very tight window of time before that moment is done, right? So if I'm wasting your time, putting your personal information, your credit card information, I'm making things even worse for you, right? I've <laughs> notified you that this exciting moment is happening and then you're missing it, right? Um, so, you know, the one thing that you, uh, you both didn't mention in addition to all the NBC properties is that with the introduction of Peacock, Right. And so now you have a $5 a month subscription service on top of your MVPD. Right. And so right now team USA is played on Peacock and say, you know, the last uh, game that came down to the wire, the Fran team USA and France game, right. It came down to a single point differential with less than five minutes left. With all due respect, no one's going to, it's not going to drive a sub during that moment. Right. Because um, I, I think the best case example is it's like clicking onto a New York Times article because you want to read it. And then you get hit with a notification that says you reach your five article limit, $9.99 to subscribe. You're putting a $10 paywall in front of a customer that wants to read one article, right? right. In this case, you, know, you are putting a $5 paywall for someone who wants to watch the last five minutes of Team USA, right? And so our case is why not monetize that audience for 99 cents, capture that audience, that data and that becomes a lead gen tool for a future customer for Peacock. And so we feel that we can be additive to the ecosystem. We can be a marketing partner to the current uh, ecosystem um, and we wanna be complimentary. Uh, but we, we're here at the end of July. So some people will watch this and you probably will have made great progress or listen to this and you, you will make great progress by they, they do. But um, who were some of the first in and how has the experience gone? Some of the properties that you've been working with both big and small and tell us kind of the, the learnings that you've had in the early stages. Absolutely. Um, we've, our first partner was the PJ tour. Um, our second partner was the NHL and our third partner that we uh, announced about a, week, a month and a half ago was the NBA. Uh, the PJ tour was very interesting because uh, it's no secret that, um, golf tends to index uh, older, especially on linear television, right? It's a four-day format, all day, those four days, right? And so um, there really isn't a quick, you know, live looking product out there, right? And so we're taking these long feeds 
and we're translating them in a way that appeals to younger fans. And we all know that younger fans are player fans first, right? Before sports or, or before the sport or even the, the, the team. And so we found a lot of initial success in terms of our ability to drive an audience that was more than half of what the television audience was actually uh, driving. I think the average audience that's watching uh, golf on television was 63 years old per uh, Nielsen. Um, but in terms of the NHL, and these are just purely anecdotal, um, we've been able to uh, drive a very young audience at that as well. Um, we, we had two minutes per period of each of the three periods, including overtime. Um, the regular season, the Stanley Cup playoffs, as well as the finals. And there was a moment uh, about three months ago when the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues were playing. It was tied up 3-3. Um, we drove a live look in for the final two minutes of that game in the third period. And the Blues actually scored. And I caught myself with the product in my hand, kind of exclaiming, holy shit, part of my language, it works. This really works, <laughs> right? Nice. That was my aha moment. It, it was actually very, very cool because, it, you know, this concept is in your head until, right. you know, you actually see it in real life. And I'm like, oh my God, it actually works, <laughs> right? And, and so uh, we've taken that learning and re re repeated it. And we had a, a great, uh, you know, playoff and, and Stanley Cup uh, finals, um, the high level, you know, stat, um, and again, this is purely anecdotal and take it with a grain of salt because we're still in early access is that over 70% of our audience was 18 to 28 years old. Yeah. If you ask any rights holder, um, if that is a desirable index, absolutely. And we can clearly prove that that is incremental to anyone that's watching television. One, they're younger, but two, why would they pay for content that they already have access to on television, right? And so I think that you and I know that anything uh, that is new in our industry um, gets met with skepticism, right? Of how is this going to unravel a multi-billion dollar empire that we're currently sitting on? And, and so I've spent a lot of my time um, really understanding one, where are the gaps? And then two, how do we intentionally and thoughtfully build products to fill those gaps, right? And so um, I am very um, allergic to a, the word disruption because in, in our sense, in the truest form, we're partner-centric and we're additive, right? And so there's a way to be uh, innovative while being complementary, right? You don't have to destroy everything right in front of you, right? And so for us is if, if we can all agree that live sports rights is the most valuable rights or most valuable IP in the sports ecosystem, how do we ensure that the future generation, specifically Gen Z and younger millennials, are interfacing or engaging with live rights? Because at the current landscape, the younger generation is purely consuming highlights and clips that are optimized for TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. And we all know that clips and highlights after a certain period of time are a commoditized product because you see that clip, same clip over and over again, right? And it becomes tougher to actually monetize that via pre-roll as well. So again, our appeal to rights holders, um, whether you be a league or a network is let us help you monetize once more before it becomes a commoditized highlight or clip on social platforms. Bo, you talked about um, the bigger names bigger name leagues that, that you've had partnerships with. Is there an opportunity for niche 
Um, you know, you and I talked about boxing at one point, some other sports where there's literally lightning in a bottle, but they are being broadcast or streamed somewhere, whether it's softball or, or mm -hmm. another league. Um, what's the opportunity there versus, you know, knowing that you have to have, you know, big deals to get the, the rights from the major sports? Absolutely. A niche sports is definitely of interest, right? Um, and to be quite honest, you know, it's niche sports are even harder to find, right? Yeah. We're talking about, you know, discovery issues with the Olympics, but niche sports are even harder, right? And so um, we absolutely want to go down that route. Uh, we also want to uh, stream high school sports, right? What's more uh, personalized than a parent saying, hey, these are my kids, alert me when these moments matter, right? And or alert me when my kid is up to bat, right? Because maybe you, you weren't able to be there, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think that properties like House of Highlights and Overtime is really highlighting the current Gen Z and younger millennial behavior. And they're the product of us just making it very difficult for them to tune in live. You need a subscription, you need TV, right? And so best, best case scenario, they're on Overtime or um, House of Highlights. Worst case scenario, they're stealing it, right? And, you know, it's no secret that piracy globally is a $28 billion problem. And, and so uh, the piracy issue, it's just a reflection of us making it very difficult for consumers to one, simplify discovery, but two, ease of access, right? Um, we, we all have mobile devices and we're all on the go, right? And so how do we make that easy for a portable uh, device like the mobile device? Um, and to comment on your earlier statement around micropayments, right? Um, you called it revolutionary, but on, on the other side, it's already adopted on the gaming side. Yes. Look yeah. at Fortnite, mm -hmm. you know, look at um, any, you know, League of Legends, right? They are a uh, platform that is propped up by digital goods, a la micropayments or, uh, you know, micropayments, right? And so um, I, I think that um, we just simply need to, one, meet where the Gen Z and younger millennials are via mobile, right? And then two, behave in a way that they already behave in, right? Um, we can try to put a three to four hour long form, linear format in front of the younger generation or behave in the way that they already engage with content on TikTok or Snapchat or, you know, Instagram or Twitter, which is short form. So, Bo, when you guys announced your latest funding, congrats on that, by the way, a couple months ago, uh, Kenan Sapphire, uh, there were some bold-faced names from the world of sports, athletes specifically, that I think blew everybody away. And uh, a few of them include some of the greatest players of all time, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, now Patrick Mahomes, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Did, did you go mm -hmm. after them or did they come after you? And what and the, the follow-up to that is, are, are, are they seeing what you're seeing? Because many of them are in that age, not necessarily Jordan and Gretzky, but a lot of the, you, you got Devin Booker, for example, who's very young. Mm -hmm. are, they, are they all so um, violently in agreement with you that they just want to throw their money at it? We, I mean, to answer your question about how did we find them, we found each other. Um, but secondly, it's, you have to think about the last six months, it's a special moment of time. It's a unique moment of time that will never relive again, hopefully, yeah. right? And when, when folks ask me, how did we get the cap table that we did, remove myself for, uh, for a second, I don't think it'll ever happen because it was perfectly acceptable for me to have a Zoom call like this. And I did about 12 to 16 of these a day for four months, 
So it was a pure volume play, right? <laughs> and 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 all you have seen is the uh, the output. Um, I've gotten more no's than yeses, right? The, I mean, the yeses look nice, but um, you know, as Kobe Bryant says, like it's you know, people talk about the the score, the 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 points you put up. Not a lot of people talk about the how many shots you took. I took a lot of shots, right? And so, um, and so I, I think that um, in this case we had to appeal to them. And and I, I try to highlight this in my op-ed two weeks ago is I appeal to them from a sports fan first. We are all yeah, industry we're industry insiders, but we're all at at the end of the day we have kid-like tendencies when it comes to our love for sports, right? And so. Uh, appealing them in the most purest sense, in the most basic sense of a sports fan. Patrick Mahomes is a prolific consumer of live sports content. And I'm not talking about NFL. He consumes everything, right? And so for him, just saying, how many apps do you use to watch what you want to watch, right? That appeals to him, right? Um, And then when you give them a personalized demo of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, two minutes left against the Patriots, 99 cents to watch. You know, he can really picture himself actually using the product. And then lastly, I tell them, you are physically in the content that we're trying to distribute. Why not be part of the platform that is, you know, distributing that content that you are in, right? And so um, they are in agreement in terms of, this is the future of capturing the younger fan. Um, And, we were very intentional about uh, the type of um, athletes that we want to align our, our platform from, right? You mentioned Gretzky and Jordan, but when you're looking at the other athletes, whether it be Naomi Osaka, LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Scotty James, these are all folks that are no, you know, no older than 25 years old, right? And we also know that Gen Z and younger millennials are player fans first, right? And so when I look at our partners specifically within the athletes, they are not only distribution channels on their own, right? Look at LeBron James. LeBron James is a bigger distribution channel sometimes, you know, than the uh, than uh, the Lakers, right? Um, but they're also very powerful marketing channels. And so in a lot of ways, we've appealed to them not only from a product perspective, but also from just as a sports fan, all of them are sports fans. We all are, right? I have, I have a follow-up to that. Well, it's, it's kind of, maybe not really a follow-up, but um, it's interesting that a lot, of, uh, a lot of people that end up, and I know you said you didn't love the word disruption, but if you don't mind me using it, kind of disrupt the status quo um, are oftentimes disruptive entrepreneurs who kind of had have that entrepreneurial and disruptive DNA, usually from the start, like mm-hmm. a lot of young people that invent things, young meaning literally like right out of college or not, or even not going to college. You, on the other hand, worked for two very large companies, one mm-hmm. trillion dollar company and, and mm-hmm. another really large company. And while you worked on um, uh, progressive tech and deal making, things like that. You were part of a really large and fairly bureaucratic, particularly with Microsoft organization. And then you went to the other side of the spectrum and became a true entrepreneur, like mm-hmm. startup entrepreneur. 
Talk about that transition um, and tell us what you've learned so far, because it's only been, what, a year and a half or so? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I, um, Twitter was a very hard place to leave. And when I say that is um, the culture is amazing, um, but also it's just so inspiring to see a platform that is just culturally relevant in society, right? And so you really get empowered by seeing the role of the platform, right? And one of the things that I've consistently have uh, encouraged my team is the what and the how is good, but the why is what the most important thing we need to focus on is why is buzzer, why buzzer and why buzzer should exist, right? The same way, why should Twitter exist? When one of the things that Twitter did was democratize access to information, even distribution of information. There's, you know, the entire press and journalism industry has really gravitated towards a platform like Twitter, right? Because of its speed and simplicity and the live nature of it. Uh, but my journey, I, I left it in April, 2019. Um, with buzzer in mind, but I wanted to take the rest of the year off. I ended up taking only three months off and then working on the prototype right after. But I will tell you that um, as I did with Microsoft and Twitter, it gets to a point where those platforms define you and who you are, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you get defined as both from Twitter, right? Yep. And that minute that that stops being the case, you, you do a little bit of soul searching. It's a very lonely soul search. It's amazing how people suddenly don't call you back that quickly. Yeah, you, you know, the email replies get a little bit slower. Right. You know, the text messages- Not as many invitations return. to the panels, right? No, no. And, and you know, when everything shut down, I was like, oh, well, at least I don't have FOMO because everyone's at home, you know? Because, but you start also thinking about um, the helpers, the people who helped you during that time. Right. And I encourage every single student to have that period of time. It's so uncomfortable, but you learn so much about yourself. You also grow so much, right? Because yes, it's great that your place of work defines who you are, but it needs to get to a point for your next level of growth where you define who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that, um, you know, one binary question I ask myself every single event that Tom, as you refer to, like the cool events that we got, I get to go to or get in, invited to, I would sit in the room and ask myself a question. Am I here because of Twitter or am I here because of that? <laughs> right. Right? right. And when the answer switches to I'm here because of Bo, it's time to leave. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's time to bet on yourself. Right. Yeah. But until then, there's no shame in learning. There's no shame in taking all the resources that you have and equip yourself so that you're better equipped now when you're on your own, right? And so a lot of the culture, a lot of the team building aspects of it, I've emulated what I've learned at Twitter, right? And so, um, I, you know, for anyone who's thinking about, you know, going out on their own and, and betting on themselves and creating their own companies, um, you know, it's... <laughs> I'm only a year and a half into this journey, but I can promise you it gets better, right? And there are things that you think about um, that you never thought it would happen so quickly. I mean, to be honest, the last 18 months, to be quite honest and humility aside, we've made a lot of progress. We've moved very, very quickly, um, especially on the, um, on the partnerships front. And, and I think that is why it's so important to approach this industry in a humble way. 
in a partner oriented way, right? in a way that you want to help address the gaps that we can all, all um, agree on, right? And so I think the generational gap when it comes to live uh, sports is something that we can all agree on. Cool. Hey, uh, last question from me, uh, Bo, I know we got to get there you go. You look forward and you've got rights deals. Other than the micropayments, uh, what are the other revenue streams that you see coming in that, that will help get you to profitability? Yeah, I mean, um, so ref share off the micropayments. Second is, um, as I mentioned before, micropayments over time should justify the economics of a subscription, right? Um, and, and what I mean by that is, if you're watching an, enough micropayments that are otherwise behind an ESPN plus paywall, over time, you've justified the subscription of ESPN plus paywall, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how did I get to, be, uh, to pay for unlimited data on Verizon? There was one month where Verizon uh, contacted me and said, hey, did you know that you spent $250 in data overage charges? Did you know that unlimited data program is $89.99? So guess what? We'll give you your $250 back if you start Right. Sign, if you sign up for uh, unlimited data next month, right? That is a very smart way to get me to actually subscribe on a month-to-month -month basis, right? And so the same way, I'll, I'll tell Joe, I'm like, Joe, you spent 10 bucks this month on ESPN Plus content. Do you know that ESPN Plus, despite the fact that they increased it by a dollar, six ninety-nine, still cheaper than 10 bucks, right? And you're like, ah, okay, you know, we'll give you your 10 bucks back if you start, you know, you know what? We'll give you your first month free, Joe, mm -hmm. right? And so it's a much more creative way than bidding against Peacock or Paramount Plus uh, on the app store to ensure that you're the first subscriber, right? I, I can imagine the CPA is quite high right now, right? And so uh, if we drive a sub, we'll take a, uh, we'll take a cut, you know, we'll take an affiliate. Um, and then, you know, there's other ways, you know, as I mentioned before, Buzzer is that last mile technology. If you build that last mile, the extensions are limitless. You know, one could be NFTs, right? If you capture that Steph Curry moment, maybe you want to own a Steph Curry NFT because that has been so personalized to you and, and your live experience, right? Um, I mean, I, I don't have to mention this like overtly, but you can think about the implications around betting, right? Every notifiable moment becomes a bettable moment, right? And so, um, so I think there's a lot of ways that we can extend um, our partnership beyond uh, the micropayments and the affiliates in terms of subscriptions. Nice. Cool. Tom, you want uh, to wrap us up? Yeah, but we know you have to go in a couple of minutes. So, so let's just uh, finish up with the questions we ask all of our guests. Uh, the first is how you stay smart. What are you reading? What are you following? What, what are you doing to stay on top of this? You have to be on top of everything going on in media and, and, and tech and mobile, et cetera. So, so what are you checking out every day? Besides listening to you guys. Okay, thank you. And, and uh, reading... Uh, Joe's uh, newsletters, right. email newsletters. Okay, that's two. Um, that's two. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I love Joe Pamplano's Huddle Up. Um, I think he does a very uh, good in-depth uh, analysis. You know, what's actually a very pleasant surprise is the other week, um, um, the guys over at uh, Robin Hood Snacks featured us. And oh, really? I, was, I didn't see that. Okay, that's cool. Um, I'll, I'll send you guys the link. And it, right. I was. Uh, I was on a train coming down to the city from Rhinebeck and I, they, I mean, no heads up, they just featured us. And uh, so that was, I mean, I listened to them quite a bit, but they, they do quick, you know, financial news hits. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I just go to the usual trades, you know, Sportico, SPJ. Um, 
sports business. Um, I, I spend um, the first hour every morning just reading. Yeah. Um, and, and I also have an incredible team who reads more than I do. And so I talk to them, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it's something that I think that you have to, in order for us to continue to build thoughtful and intentional products, you have to understand what our partners' um, challenges are. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of reading how ratings are going down and how, you know, um, you know, how the Olympics is facing challenges around discovery and curation. I want to be part of the solution. I think all of us want to be part of the solution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so for me is, again, how do we approach this market and, and this industry with humility and, and, and thoughtfully kind of approach all our partners in a way that is a win-win scenario for everyone? Right. And the, and the second and last question is, um, can you offer some advice for younger folks listening, particularly students, either leaving graduate school like business school or our program at, in sports management, or they're young and moving, looking to move on in their careers? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it builds on uh, what we just talked about in terms of educating yourself, informing yourself. Um, I will say that we have two summer interns this summer that happen to write their school papers on Buzzer, and I happen to stumble across it, right? I love when folks not only um, read the press or the trades, but also formulates their own unique point of view, right? Tell me why it's not gonna work, right? Because I'll probably hire you so that, you know, so that we ensure that Buzzer does work, right? And so I think there's very unique ways that you can approach opportunities you know, there's LinkedIn now and, you know, it, 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 there's so many ways. I mean, I, I've hired two folks uh, on just Twitter DMs because they brought very unique and creative ideas, right? And so I think there's so many tools that just connect us, right? And so um, my just simple advice is formulate your own unique POV because all of us are reading the same <laughs> trades, the same articles, right? I'm reading in them too, right? But what is the point of view that you are you creating from those trades, right? Mm-hmm. If you're reading that television ratings are going down, then how are you becoming part of the solution and not someone who's just regurgitating the same problem over and over again, right? And so mm-hmm. I think the, the solution mindset is going to be very, very important. And again, rather than a disruptive mindset, a partner mindset is very important, right? Because your success as an entrepreneur is finding people on the outside to be on your team. Finding people on the outside that wants you to do well, that wants you to win, right? And how do you do that? You be a partner with the folks, right? And, and you, I think most importantly, you have to be humble because you, know, you can talk about television going down, but guess what? Television is not going anywhere. It really isn't, right? It, if we're gonna have less folks uh, subscribing to cable, but television is not gonna go anywhere. Right, NFL is not going anywhere. NBA is not going anywhere. Right, and so how do you partner with folks that are not going anywhere? Right, and lastly is we're building an authentication product. Right, and what that just simply means is you tell us what current subscriptions you have and authenticate those subscriptions with us. And if the live look-in falls within the rights that you already pay for, it's free. So we just we don't make money from that, but we just want to be a curation and discovery tool. And if we can create value to you by curating and discovering subscriptions that you already pay for, 
then you serve as a retention tool to a lot of those partners, right? And so um, I, I think that's where we can really kind of shine is also build products that don't benefit us immediately, but also it helps everyone to be partners. Because again, this is something that we need to collectively tackle as I've uh, written uh, in our op-ed, in, in the SBJ op-ed, you know, because it, it's, it's really important for all of us to tackle this together. And then uh, lastly, Bo, where can people find you? Where can they sign up for the, the, um, the beta of uh, Buzzer? And, and uh, you know, where, where are the other places they should be following to learn more? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter, at Bohan. And um, also, you can uh, find Buzzer uh, right now. It's available on the App Store and Google Play, so both on uh, iPhone and Android. Um, right, as I mentioned before, we are in early access, so there is a waiting list, and we are letting folks in um, on a rolling basis. And that's very deliberate because um, our early users have been very vocal about what we, they like and what they don't like, right? Um, you know, we all know that Gen Z, uh, the Generation Z is a very opinionated generation and I love it because it makes us be better, right? And so um, um, again, you know, it's, and, and you know, we, we have our job postings on buzzer.com, you know, backslash jobs. Uh, so um, there's a ton of ways to kind of get in touch with us. You know, I'm a, I live on Twitter, um, not only as a former Twitter employee, but also, you know, if you follow Buzzer and at Buzzer Beats, uh, we started to launch a handle just telling people where to watch what, especially during the Olympics, oh, right? Cool. And so uh, just having a very simple uh, discovery utility that we can utilize Twitter um, until uh, the day comes when we are able to have a partnership with NBC and uh, Olympics. So. Uh, thank you both uh, so much for the platform and the time, and it was certainly a pleasure being here. Yep. Thank, thank you, Bo. Thank you, Bo. We really appreciate it. Um, we urge everybody listening to follow Bo. He's a good, really good follow on Twitter. Um, and I, I love the advice you gave me that. I just have to say, you know, developing a POV, something I say to the young people I help out in my class and, and otherwise, uh, because we, we all are processing similar or the same information. What does that really mean? You know, apply your critical thinking to what you're what you're reading every day, and you'll bring some value to whoever you're working for, and that's all we can ask for. Um, so, Bo, good luck uh, these next few months. We know uh, is it is it um, is it true that the actual kind of official launch should be Q4? Is that is that right? Yeah, it's going to be uh, around the second or third week of uh, October, uh, around the return of the NBA season. Nice. Well, we'll look forward to going to like a massive launch party, in-person maskless launch party in October. In New York State. <laughs> Hopefully people behave until then. So. Yeah. I mean, that's why it would be a good target, a target event, Joe, to, to, to do something fun with everybody in the business. Absolutely. Um, but I hope it goes well and good luck. Um, and we will um, continue. Um, we urge you to continue to fight the good fight because I think what you're addressing is one of, I mean, Joe and I have talked about this a lot. And he knows that I'm particularly obsessed with this issue. I think it's one of the most important issues in the entire business, uh, sports business ecosystem. So I hope it goes well for you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. All right, we'll have a good soon. one. Thanks everybody right. for listening. We'll see you next time on the Cush Show.